0: Hello and welcome to the Eagle Eggs podcast. I'm your host, Henry Conti, the communications coordinator with the Bellbrook Sugar Creek Schools. Today we sit down and discuss life with Donny Phelps, the principal at Bell Creek Intermediate School. donnie has got quite the story to tell about how he came to education. He and I are from a similar background. We spent some time in the business world first before we got into education. And Donnie's stories are quite amazing, honestly. He tells about being in a hospital and translating as a high schooler, translating for Hispanic families um, so they can communicate with doctors. He talks, about, um, he talks about how he goes about his job and why that is. He talks about um, helping to give messages to families during Hurricane Katrina uh, when people shouldn't have been contacting him it's it's just an amazing story but um i hope you stick around for all of this one because donnie's um is just so engaging and so delightful to talk to and i enjoyed it and i know you will too without further ado here we go so donnie uh thanks for joining me today um first thing i I know you came to education from outside of uh and Education background, where and what I mean by that is you, you had a job in, um, in the business world. Talk to me about that a little bit, and how did you come to, end up being the principal here at BCI?
1: It's kind of a, <clears throat> interesting story because in high school I started uh, doing like half days my senior year doing like a work-study program with a company um, called The Berry Company, Um, so a Yellow Pages sales and publishing organization, and I got involved with that because of my high school Spanish teacher who found in the Dayton Daily News at the time, in the classified section, that the company needed a Spanish translator to translate telephone, Yellow Pages ads. And I did a lot of things, uh, besides just Spanish translation um, over the years there, that kind of started an interest in international business and working with international telephone companies. A whole lot of really cool experiences and and new skills, but 2007-ish, AT&T bought our parent company, Bell South, and it became very clear that the company was not going to stay intact. Focus was not going to be on directory publications, and technology had really boomed and Mm -hmm. taken a turn with smartphones and whatever. And so, as pieces of the company were starting to be sold off bit by bit, um, I started considering, is this really what I want to do with my life? Is this really how I want to use my language skill? And somebody suggested that I should think about teaching. So, um, on a whim, I called the Ohio Department of Education and told them that I had a uh, bachelor's degree in in Spanish and... Um, you know, was thinking about teaching and they told me that I was in luck because at that time there was a shortage in Ohio for math, science, special education, and teachers of world languages. So um, so basically then the onus was on me to um, do the things that I had to do to get an alternative teaching license and that's what took me to Clinton-Massey local schools. Uh, I kind of started to get mentored and and um, pushed toward, you know, earning a master's degree in educational leadership and it wasn't very long that there was a need so I uh, was kind of tapped on the shoulder and um, pulled out of the classroom mid-year to fill an interim assistant principal role that evolved into not just high school assistant principal but a six twelve situation and um, it kind of just kept going for a minute um, and two years later I said hey you know I really this was just supposed to be temporary I'm not done teaching yet and then that's what brought me over to Greene County um, first to Beaver Creek um, schools as a middle school Spanish teacher that was going to be the final destination but uh, I had a good friend who taught at Bellbrook High School and there was an opportunity to come to Bellbrook as um, an English teacher and I took that opportunity uh, when those positions came open and applied and they selected me. And so I have been with Bellbrook ever since and taught um, both English initially and then later um, picked up some Spanish classes as needed here and there um, for five years at the high school. And uh, the position at, as principal at Bell Creek opened up late in the summer 2021. And um, before there was even a posting or announcement out, I had people who I didn't even know had my phone number (laughs) (laughs) reaching out to me and saying, you know, please consider this. I I don't know you very well, but I feel like you have the skills that our building needs, things like that. And um, there was a lot of encouragement all over the place. And so I was very much on the fence just because of COVID and I'd been prepping all summer for uh, to teach a new course at the high school and. It was just late in the summer and a big change, but ultimately I applied and was selected. And so, some respects it seems like it was yesterday and in yeah. other ways it seems like I've been here for you know, five or 10 years, but uh, but it's been great. It's been a great um, experience to come down and um, see the littler learners and, and understand what it means to, to do school as an eight to 11 year old.
0: Yeah, now, I wanna back up a little bit because what you said was really interesting. You were talking about in high school, you were able to start doing translations uh, for this, this company the berry company um there aren't many high schoolers who would have that kind of um, knowledge and experience even in a foreign language even if you took i took six years of italian when i was in school and i can't speak a lick of it anymore but uh what was your why was spanish um so important to you was it just you had the ear for it or you were uh just in love with culture or what what was that for you
1: Well, I guess there's probably a couple answers to that um, that that I've come to understand as I've gotten older because I've been speaking Spanish now for 25 years or so. So um, for me, it was that... You know, I was taking foreign language as a class initially, just because somewhere down the line I heard the rumor that um, you had to do that to graduate, and yeah, ha- definitely had to do it to to get into college. And I wasn't sure if I was going to college. Um, I was the first in my family to do so, first generation college student. But I thought maybe, you know, I was a pretty good student. I wasn't the, you know, valedictorian or anything, but I thought that maybe there might be potential there, and. Um, you know, I think it really started with my high school Spanish One teacher, um, who was pretty young, um, and she was just really fun and engaging and very passionate about it, but I really wasn't good at it at first. Learning a language, you know, you're retraining your brain how to store and process information. So, on top of that, I definitely had some, what we now know are ACEs, or Adverse Childhood Experiences, um, and... I thought that that was also unique to me but you know there's a lot of people and a lot especially um, school-age children that go through that Um, fortunately um, that particular Spanish teacher was um, pretty pioneering and uh, adept at at such a novice point in her career and she was very trauma-informed and it was the only adult in my life at the time who you know ever took the time to you know crouch down beside my desk and say hey like are you all right do you need to talk to somebody I don't think you're working to your potential can we talk about what's going on or what's maybe keeping you from being successful and and I think it was out of the respect for that and and the relationship that I really started to apply myself to to Spanish and and then later um it was this really bizarre experience you know coming from uh, a family with pretty deep Appalachian roots um who you know most everyone I knew was um a skilled tradesman or um you know just definitely blue collar um careers which there's nothing wrong with that we we certainly need that but uh, academics and scholarship just really weren't part of it um or part of my um, existence or understanding about the world and we were at um Miami Valley Hospital cuz my uh, dad's mother was was ill and um and there were doctors and nurses and people running up and down the halls and there you know they need a translator they need a bilingual because there were, was a Hispanic person in the um ER and I mean this went on for a while this commotion and so finally you know, I step out into the hallway as like a 15 year old who's you know, still misconjugating verbs and things like that. And I, I said, you know, I'm not very good, but I know a little Spanish and, you know, maybe I could help if you have, if you have no Spanish. So uh, they were very gracious, dragged me to the, to the ER where I encountered not just one Hispanic person, but um, you know, like 15, because that is very much Hispanic culture, but unbeknownst to me at the time that, you know, the idea of a nuclear family, isn't really a thing <laughs> with Hispanic people. It's, you know, an extended family. So yeah. here I am with um, all of these, um, you know, persons of color who speak Spanish and no English. Um, I had, you know, never used Spanish outside of the four walls of, of the classroom at Myersburg High School, but um, here were these people, and, and they desperately needed to communicate, and they were very, you know, uh, much in duress, and they're in the ER, and so they're, the, the, the medical providers are trying to talk to them, and and I'm trying to convey what they're saying in very limited, like present tense Spanish, and right. a lot of gesticulating, and and I learned some new words, like you know, vacuna for vaccine or shot, and um and it was great. And, but the thing that was really, I mean, it took probably a lot longer than a professional translator could have had that done in Course, yeah. ten or fifteen minutes, and it probably took an hour and a half but at the end of it all, um, these people were just so thankful and so, I mean, they're also very cultural nuance. I mean, like they're, the, the women are like grabbing me and kissing both cheeks and, you know, and we have this thing about personal space in the United States and our right. culture. And anyway, it was just, it was so cool. And, and then there's these doctors and nurses who, you know, I'm thinking like doctor, you know, that's really an educated person. And they're thanking me and congratulating me and telling me that I should really keep up, you know, whatever I'm doing and, and develop that skill. And, and I think that that really was like a turning point because I walked away from that um, feeling super empowered. And I know, you know, every kid, I experienced this also as a teacher where even in, as a Spanish teacher where kids would say, when, when are we ever going to need to know this? When do I need to, when am I going to ever use this? And that was for me a time that <clears throat> something became very real and being able to help and serve other people. And I thought, you know, I'm going to get really good at this and, and help these people. And then, you know, I think later on what I started to realize was, um, you know, as a kid, you know, we, um, had kind of a rough and tumble upbringing and sometimes There was money to pay bills and sometimes not and sometimes really great christmases and then sometimes things from christmas would disappear a few months later because you know money got tight again and so i think one thing for me is that it it became a something that that was really my own that i no one could take from me and and i couldn't lose it um and it was had the the you know most upward potential i could get as good at that skill as I as I wanted to, and um, and so I did, and it ended up being this great ticket for me to afford to go to college, which might not have happened otherwise, and and I think that that uh, that Spanish teacher in high school was really wise to identify that and find that job because that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, Senora, they're not going to hire a seventeen-year-old right. kid at this big company, and she's like. I think you're gonna be surprised like you don't really have to be this most fluent speaker to do that kind of work you have to be able to research and it's got a very technical aspect to it that you know just speaking Spanish isn't going to be enough yeah. and and I came to learn that um, later through the work and also through through studying in more advanced Spanish in college so it, it ended up being in so many ways um, the greatest thing that, that ever happened to me and, and changed the trajectory of my life. And I got to study abroad and live in Costa Rica and Spain. And that was life changing.
0: Yeah. You've unfurled a lot of things here. Um, so <laughs> many. No, it's, it's great because we're really getting to know you. And I, I love that. That's what what I want this to be about. But one of the things is I know you a little bit personally. You said Spanish was in your learning of Spanish. It was something you were doing for you that couldn't be taken away. But the way I see it and the way I see you is, it's that. But it's also because it's something you can give away. I I think you come to your job as an act of service. Would Mm -hmm. you agree with that? I -hmm. think everything you kind of do here is in service of these students. And I find that very admirable. And I think that's, I think one of the big questions I was, coming into this with was you know you came like me to education from a different background we were in the business world mm-hmm. and we come to it to be of service to something else and for you it's all these adorable third fourth and fifth graders <laughs> um Absolutely. at times adorable i'm sure um but uh and for me it's it's the community at large for you it's, it's that as well of course but um So talk about that. How did that really impact you or change in where you started to where you are now in terms of that business world to to how you come in education?
1: Being the Hispanic, all things Hispanic culture, all things Spanish language guru for a Fortune 500 company that was headquartered in Dayton, Ohio, Um, a lot of things came my way from a lot of different directions Mm -hmm. a lot of different business needs sometimes it was consulting with you know TPI you know um, telecom um, company in Madrid or you know and then learning you know very colloquial things and accent things and dialect things from different countries other times you know it was just that throughout the um, field offices people knew who I was so Calls would get transferred, and during um, Hurricane Katrina, um, you know, this call comes in, and it's this Hispanic guy who cannot speak English, and he is stuck on some ranch or plantation, like in Louisiana somewhere, and he can, he's just he's just trying to get word home to to his family in Mexico that yeah. that he's okay, mm-hmm. and and he can't tell me where he is. You know, he's been dropped off there as a migrant worker, um, and and I'm like, well, how did you get this number? And so then he, of course, he tells me, like, the directorio telefónico. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the phone book. That's what we do here. I was like, well, just tell me what it says on the front of it. Yeah. And Because I'm thinking if he could just tell me, you know, what phone book it is, then right. I'll have some idea of the where he is and, and maybe be able to dial this in and trace the number or whatever. And And what he's saying to me, which is in Spanish phonetics, but it's, you know English words. Is he's trying to say Bell South because that's the publisher. Yeah. <laughs> so it's coming out like right. Bell South, <laughs> Bell South, and I'm like, spell it out loud. So when he spells it out loud, I'm like, oh, Bell South. I was like, no, no, okay, look for another big bold word. You right. know, but ultimately, I ended up placing a call to Mexico, talking to his mother who is crying, overjoyed. You know that that he's okay and that there's been this communication, and and that's when I really realized that, like by that point i understood that the hispanic population by and large um in the world but especially those in the united states um and i'm not talking about hispanic americans i'm talking about you know immigrant people um the illiteracy rate is so high that translations are almost um irrelevant um and i don't mean that in any discriminatory way it's just sort of the facts and so i was like the work that i do matters but only for those who have the literacy to to read it. Right. Um, and so I started thinking about you know what else I might want to do with my language skill and and honestly it's one of those things I mean it kind of uh, it kind of takes me to my English teacher background one of my favorite things to teach was Um, the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell's monomyth about how every story essentially follows the same archetypal path that you know something happens to the hero of the story or main character that sends them on a different trajectory where you know if not then they wouldn't encounter the mentors and the people that help them and the challenges that shape and make them who they are and they come out different on the other side and so for me, it was the day that we all got this email that, hey, AT&T has purchased us and um, there's probably going to be uh, some some layoffs and this and that. And, and so, you know, um, my um, admin assistant that I worked with at the time says, you know, What are you worried about you have a college degree you should be a teacher and I'm like a teacher and and they're like yeah you know like when we when we have trainings or the system changes whatever you always like figure it out and then you explain it to us like in ways that that is just so understandable and you're really patient when we don't understand and you'd be a great teacher and um you know, and I hadn't really thought that much about it, honestly. And I thought you had to have a degree in education to become a teacher. I thought, how, how could this work? Like, I can't go. I was, you know, completely independent at the time. I had a mortgage. I could, I was like, I can't just go be a full-time student now and student teach and all of that. So that's where I kind of had this like gut check moment and thought, well, let me look into this. And I called ODE and that's where I found out that I could in fact become a teacher. And it was a maybe a tougher process in some respects, but I think that's why. I think it's because it was like, I, I want to use my Spanish in, in a way that helps other people because if I teach Spanish to 150 kids a year and those, even half of them, go out and use it in, in a real way like I had done, then you know, we're exponentially serving the world and helping the world be a better place. So for me, I think that's, that's where it started and I'll be honest, it started as that passion for Spanish and that, you know, giving back, kind of thanking that teacher who changed my life yeah. and, and wanting to do that for somebody else. And then uh, about two or three years into it, I, I actually I think it was really maybe towards halfway through the second year when I realized that I wasn't a Spanish teacher, that I was an educator who was teaching Spanish to people
0: hmm um i'm changing up the questions on here at this point okay. uh, so what um what's been the most challenging thing for you as a principal at bell creek and what's been the most rewarding thing for you here
1: i can pin them down to maybe two really big themes i think um the most rewarding thing is that you know it's always relationships and in education and i had a very big home field advantage having taught in the district and and because we're a small district i'd served on lots of committees and Mm -hmm. had done lots of things that connected me to people outside of the high school um so i felt very comfortable coming into a a challenging new role and so i would say the most rewarding part had had, was to see eight to eleven year olds and just the pure joy and excitement and wonder for for learning and and wanting to come to school and the high fives and the fist bumps. And the that was my first thing was like Mm -hmm. these kids, not that high school kids aren't excited to learn because I had pretty active classrooms and kids who, who I could get, you know, even some of the most reluctant learners to enjoy whatever we were doing or find something for everybody. But, um, but these kids are just like a blank canvas and they are, so pumped about school and learning, and really want to be here every day, and 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 seek to to have fun while they learn, um, without being, you know, any of that. And it's all about you know their their social development. You know, third graders are very become very self aware. Fourth graders become very socially aware. So they're just not, uh, at, you know, as the adage goes, too cool for school yet. Yeah, and and absolutely. and that is awesome. Yeah. And the other thing is the. Um, the staff and their teachers. Um, you know, if if anybody out there who's listening um, knows personally an elementary school teacher, I mean, I thought that I worked very hard as a middle school and high school teacher. Sometimes, you know, teaching four preps in two different subject areas and and you know all kinds of student needs to meet. I can't imagine that that I ever worked harder than these people. I mean, this there is a staff of people here. Um, who many of whom have been under this roof as a three, four, five building when the grades came together in 2007, um, who just are so student-centered and are so focused on doing the right things and evolving with the changing needs of our students and our community, especially in light of COVID and what the pandemic brought us um, in terms of just, just different needs and, and doing school in different ways. And, and that has impressed me from the first week, um, just people and their willingness to give of their time on their off days in the summer or whatever, to to help me, you know, really understand who they are and and who their kids are and what we're doing, and then to make um, really sound and informed decisions on how to move forward toward big goals. So that's that's been very rewarding. And you know, the biggest challenge is. Um, Probably the same thing that that every leader would say is that, you know, we we just don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so as proactive as we might try to be or um, as much as we might try to front load relationships and understandings about things, there's just some things about, um, and it was the same as being a, a new classroom teacher, too. It's just on a much wider scale. You don't know what you don't know until it happens. So, so much... Of what goes on uh, for educators in our jobs is situational and and there's no college course that's going to prepare you for that there's no um, essay that you wrote (laughs) (laughs) for that grad class that's gonna be like oh yep that's that's exactly what I should do I researched that Um, it's very uh, moment-by-moment and situational Um, and so having not taught Um, at these levels that does pose a little bit of a disadvantage but at the same time that first year we had such a sub shortage and so many people with COVID and quarantines and whatever that I um, fortunately and unfortunately got to sub in my staff's classrooms 27 times that year which is almost an eighth of the school year that I put on my out of office reply and just went in and followed Mm -hmm. A teacher's lesson plan so I got to really um, a close-up look and understanding of our curriculum and how our teachers manage their classrooms and expectations and and what kids need and, and how they learn at these developmental levels and where they are with their executive functioning skills and and that has been very eye-opening and informative so it's kind of a challenge but it also had a silver lining
0: yeah absolutely
1: what's your favorite food well, technically, it's probably any seafood, but especially paella, the national dish of Spain. So, And you can really only get a good paella around here at El Meson.
0: All right. Uh, what's your favorite drink?
1: I'd have to say uh, Coke Zero, because at some point I had to <laughs> get away from the calories of real pop.
0: <laughs> gotcha. All right. Favorite movie or TV show? What's the go-to?
1: Um... That's kind of a tough one. Um, I really love Mr. Holland's Opus. That is one okay. movie that touches me every time I see it. and I'll watch it over and over and over again. Um, I'm currently looking for a good series to watch. Gotcha. <laughs> it's been a while since I've had one.
0: All right. um, <clears throat> what's your go-to favorite emoji while texting?
1: It's probably uh, the one that's like uh, that's like eek, where like it shows all the teeth, like eh, or the whoa with the big eyes and the red face, because I feel like uh, I'm oftentimes like admitting an error <laughs> or or oops, I forgot about that, sorry, and that's my like way of apologizing through emoji. <laughs>
0: gotcha. And do you have a go-to or favorite quote you use, whether talking to the students, staff? just yourself maybe to get yourself back on
1: track Hmm. um well i really like that mandela quote about um that education is the most powerful weapon to to change the world because Mm. you know when we know better we can do better and again sometimes we just don't know what we don't know so it's like i think leaders are readers and i think the more that we read, the more that we know, the more that we experience um, other people's perspectives and and stories. Even we we become that much stronger at uh, having a point of reference when we're trying to problem solve and and be a change. Because if we're not moving forward and evolving, then we're probably decaying. So and I think that's everybody's goal, right? I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and thinks, hey, I'm going to go into that place and leave it in worse shape than I found it. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to cause a ruckus. I think we all want to help and and nourish and and make things better than we find them. And I think that education is a great way to empower people to do that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Don. You're welcome. Welcome to this week's Droppings. We're breaking it down a little bit differently this time. So here we go, going into concert season. The middle school, high school choir concert is on the 11th. The 6th grade choir concert is on the 17th. The fall band concert is on the 18th. And the band invitational is on the 21st. We have some bigger events this month as well. The Fun Run main event at BCI will be on the 11th. Dr. Brian Ciccarelli is coming to speak to parents and students. Uh, Open to parents on the 16th. On the 19th, he speaks to middle school students. The Great Pumpkin Auction is on the 18th. Meetings, we've got a PTO meeting on the 10th. We've got the Board of Education meeting on the 12th. That one starts at 6.30. And the Boosters meeting is on the 18th, Athletic Boosters. Thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a good day, and if it can't be a good one, Make it a great one.